Welcome to the Back Chat Show, sponsored by Roughneck Scars and Redline Youth Athletics. I am Jason Smith, and as always, we're joined by Paul Ray. And this week, we've got a special guest, the uh, one of the co-founders of Back Chat, the last word on soccer, Colorado Springs aficionado himself, Mr. Mark Turner. Hey, James. How you doing? I'm good. Yeah, yeah. How you doing, Paul? Uh, you know, about as well as can be expected for a Switchbacks fan. Yeah, uh, it's it's not been an ideal um, season, let's say, um, <laughs> uh, let alone the past couple weeks. Uh, this is the season officially, USL season, regular season, officially wrapped up this past weekend with your boys in black and blue, as expected. Uh, not, not good good um i think we finished in 11th place of the season with a non-stellar record of 11 wins 17 lock i hate to say that 17 Eesh. losses uh Eesh. and seven no wait check does it get six ties almost gave us more credit than we deserved um <laughs> So this is the end of the year show. Uh, we could we uh, for people who keep in track, uh, the one or two people out there, we didn't didn't really have a post game show after the final uh, road trip after we were officially eliminated from the playoff contention. Um, no particular reason except uh, just feeling pretty suicidal through that point. So let's just pretend those last three games we all know about it. We know what happened. We ended up one one and one. Very typical switchbacks fashion. Beat a really good team in in uh, Salt Lake City, uh, got our asses handed to us in Reno, and drew with the 16th place Seattle Sounders. So uh, would that have a negative 31 goal differential? So um, about par for the course for this season. Um, so here we are. Into here the we season. Are. Here we are. Looking, I want to kind of have this sort of be a, let's start at the beginning of the season and let's end at the end of the season. I know, I know this type <laughs> of of linear thinking is not in vogue nowadays, but um, let's rewind that tape if we can a little bit and let's talk about the 2018 offseason, what all this started. Um and some of the free agent pickups that we picked up. Um, and I'm going to kind of open up to, that up to you guys. Before the season, who did you see coming in that we had signed that you thought, wow, this this is going to be the guy? And who did you see that you're like, wow, this guy, is, this person is going to not benefit, at all, benefit us at all? And uh, which one of those were you wrong about and right about? I don't know, Mark, what did you think? I think it was um, on the surface of it. It was a pretty uninspiring preseason. Uh, I, I will say, though, generally, I think I was wrong about that. I think one of the hardest things that the coaches have to do, particularly in a small market like Colorado Springs, is attract talent to this town. Not that we don't have a great state and a great city. We know it's a wonderful place to live, but again, with it being a small market, one of the lowest-paying. Um, organizations in the USL we understand it's hard to draw marquee talent here and so again on the surface of it it looked like a pretty uninspired um, preseason recruitment period but in fact I think the coaches did a really good job of bringing in some excellent talent chief among them 
for my money at least, was Jordan Schweitzer, who I'm not going to wax lyrical about too much because I know it would steal Paul's thunder. <laughs> so instead, I'm going to. But I am going to steal Paul's other boy, which is Marty Mabin. Um, before the season started, he was one I was excited to see return. Uh, not least of all because I feel like I had a little influence over that. Anyone interested in the story, <laughs> ask me offline. But um, but to see him return was really exciting. And you know his season really got stunted by injury. He also got hamstrung by the fact that the coaches seemed um, just doggedly uh, determined not to change the starting uh, the the attacking three uh, for the first. I think it was 13, 14 games. Uh, well, those guys continued to list and barely register uh, any goals at all. So I felt bad for for Marty. That's not to say maybe he couldn't have done more with the chances he had, but he was a guy that um, I was excited to see return at least. Yeah, I uh, absolutely. Um, you know, I was actually very surprised to, that we had people coming back. Uh, not only did Marty return, we had the return of Saeed mm-hmm. and um, the return of Taylor Hunter, who was a loney for us back in, in season one. Um, really surprised uh, that after, you know, after the second season when we had the mass exodus, there was a lot of uh, uh, um, ill will. I don't, I don't want to say ill will. I think there was a lot of negative uh, feelings about a lot of people who left, and to see people coming back, I don't know. Is that a, is that a testament to the lack of opportunity elsewhere, or the comfort of knowing what you're going to get here in the springs with Trichu? I think it's probably a little of both. Um, I think I, I think you have to look at the personalities involved and the relationship they've had with Trichu. You know, when Saeed was fit, he was always a starter. You know, Marty and Trichu's relationship goes back to his college days here in the U.S. And so I think those are guys who just feel comfortable with Trichu and feel like they're, they're going to get minutes in this organization. Um, you know, you touched on Taylor Hunter. Obviously, that, that was a huge pickup. We know his, his quality. And I think that was the thing that surprised us overall was that uh, even though he did a good job this season, he wasn't our standout defensive player. The guys that were brought in, many of whom we were like, who is this? actually formed a really strong defense and that i think was one of the few high spots uh, that we had this year was at least in the back four uh, i'll leave you jason in the same way i'm not going to steal paul's thunder in regards to schweitzer i'm not i wouldn't dare steal your thunder when it comes to talking about our goalkeepers yeah paul <laughs> uh, before you do, paul what, what what's your thoughts on uh, what were your thoughts coming into the season um, so I, I like uh, like many were very happy to see um, Marty Maven's name again, um, and seeing Taylor Hunter come back was also a, a, a huge positive because I I remembered uh, enjoying his play quite a bit in in his first season with us. Um, Jordan Schweitzer, I, I actually met at the uh, season ticket member event where they unveiled unveiled the new jerseys and and all that good stuff, and. Uh, I didn't know much about him, um, but uh, going home from that event and doing some research, I, I thought, you know, this is this is a pretty solid pickup. He could he could uh, develop into into quite a player, and uh, you know, for once in my life, I was right. Um, he did develop, <laughs> did develop into. Uh, don't tell my wife I said that. I we have it on tape. We have it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he developed into into one of the best uh, passers of the ball that I think I've ever seen in this league. Um, his accuracy is is 
insane. Uh, his composure on the pitch is fantastic. I don't think I ever saw him uh, outwardly lose his temper or, or outwardly uh, let his body language uh, belie his um, a- any sort of attitude about the, the direction the game was going. Um, and so seeing him coming in and, and knowing what little I did about him, I, I thought that it was a positive pickup. And, and I, uh, I am very pleased that I, was hap- that, I w- that I was right about that. And I'm really hoping and praying that, uh, that he's not one of, the, one of the folks we lose in this offseason. Yeah, that, that it's, it's, I'm with you guys. I, I think Jordan Swire, if we, if we had to pick a, t, uh, a team MVP for for this season, by 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 far, uh, Schweitzer. It seemed like he was uh, uh, a leader on the field and just just quality. Uh, I don't think I don't think he had, had missed very much time. Um, I didn't. I honestly haven't checked the stats to see who had the most minutes with us this season, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was him. Um, so yeah, I'm totally right on on board with you guys on that. Uh, can I, can I just interject while we're on the, the subject of Schweitzer? Were you guys surprised to see him deployed so far back? Because obviously his control of the ball was really good. His range of passing was really good. So you can kind of see that would make sense to, to, to some degree, right? You've got a guy there who he's as comfortable pinging the ball 10 yards as he is pinging at 40 yards. But typically our defensive midfielders, which is what he ended up playing, they, they're just... They're more defensive midfielders. They're cut from that cloth. When you think about Shinny, when you think about Ronnie, you know, these are guys who battle. And in the case of Shinny, actually had previous in playing as a central defender. And that's not Schweitzer. And I was a little surprised to see him deployed so deep. I was expecting to see him at least in the middle of the field, maybe not, if not even tucked up behind the forwards, where his with his passing range, he could have unpicked a few defenses. Yeah, and I and I think it, it almost looked like Trichu... Um, inverted the midfield uh, mm. pyramid a little bit the way we used to we used to have you know Luke uh, roving forward as an attacking mid and we'd have uh, two defensive mids sort of behind that who would uh, fill in wherever was necessary if uh, if one of the defenders decided to bomb forward and I think that that triangle sort of inverted and we ended up with two more attacking uh, midfielders with Schweitzer sort of holding down the middle um, trying to win some of those balls back and, and cycle them quickly back forward so that we could stay on the attack. Mm. Yeah. Uh, one of the names, and this kind of goes back to uh, what you guys were saying about the, the midfielders. It seemed like the, uh, looking through the, the opening day roster and I saw a name jump out at me that was like, oh yeah, he exists. Uh, Volima, <laughs> uh, yes. the, the Finnish American who, who came up and, did get some playing time, and then after the Open Cup games, uh, left the team. Um, never really heard a story behind that. I never really heard why that was. I can imagine it was just overplay time. But it seemed like from that point on is when we started getting random loans from the Rapids. Uh, you know, we signed. We had uh, Hamilton come down. Um, we had uh, oh, now I can't think of his name. Uh, we had we had a. Uh, we had Nikki Jackson come down. We yeah, had, uh, um, Kip, Kip Colvey uh, come thank down. Thank you, yep. Mm-hmm. So it seemed like there was just this... One, one of the things I from season one that, that's been consistent with Trichu is he finds a starting 11 he likes, and he rolls with that, and very rarely changes that. Um, 
which last year I think we complained a lot about him doing that. And this year, I don't think it's – I can't imagine him having the same starting 11 uh, for more than two or three games. It seemed like it was throwing spaghetti at the wall with some of the stuff that, that – well, with some of the lineups that we were seeing. Well, after um, the first after the first dozen or so games, because like I said earlier, the, the front three who I – and I'm going from memory here, so I apologize. I'm, I'm, I'm old and I've slept. Um, but the front, <laughs> the front three in the first 13, 14 games did not change. It was AJ, um, it was uh, uh, Saeed, and it was Shane. And in the first 13 games, I want to say, again, from memory, they registered two goals and two assists between them. So yeah. there wasn't a lot of movement there, but you're right. Once once the uh, once the merry-go-round got going, it didn't stop. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, not to correct you and be anal retentive about it. The set the second game of the season is the one that Shane Malcolm got called up to uh, the Guam national team, mm-hmm. and I believe we had lost uh, Saeed due to injury, and that was the you're game right. that where, yeah. where where Marty started, and uh, it was Marty and Uzo and. Marty took a ding in the first 10 minutes yep. uh, and, and got it on the ankle. And that seemed to almost derail his half of the season. Um, so another addition uh, was the, a, a new goalkeeper. Um, well, an, an additional goalkeeper in Stuart Seuss. Um, you know, my my thought at the beginning of the season was that he, he was a veteran keeper who had been all around the league, played for the Rapids, uh, won won a championship for the uh, San Francisco Deltas in the NASL. Um, I thought he would be a veteran uh, backup to the young Puati for Puati to learn from and to kind of you know put pressure on so he wasn't complacent and. Um, out of the two, I guess I think I think Seus had the better of the season. He played way much more than I expected him to, and probably much more than Trichu or uh, Pawati expected him to. Um, but I think that that to me, you know, I, I I only care about the goalkeepers really. I mean, everyone else is just kicking the ball around. Uh, I, just I, like... <laughs> I I have a, a slightly contentious thing to say about our about our goalkeeping, and and uh, I'm I'm curious to hear your response to this, Jason. Um, I think that a large uh, percentage of our issues being scored on this season had to do with the fact that we didn't start the same keeper uh, the whole season. The fact that it was so back and forth and uh, we really had no consistency there. I think that, I think regardless of which one of them it was, if we had stuck with Puate the whole time and only brought in Seyus if he got injured or the other way around, I think either one of those scenarios would have resulted in fewer goals against and fewer losses uh, than we than we wound up with. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. And, and to be fair, there, there really wasn't much daylight between the two when it came to their on-the-field play. Um, both of them gave up some, some just absolute howlers and made – both of them made poor decisions and – I, I, I would be shocked if I see saw Pawati come back because uh, the when Stuart Seuss dove and broke his pinky and they had it taped up over his glove in this in, in the Las Vegas game and had him come back out for the second half to play, um, 
at that point, my, my thought was, is Chuchu has lost any confidence in Pawati whatsoever and only kind of changed his, his uh, tune once he realized that Seuss wasn't that much better than Pawati was. So, um, so yeah, I, 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 the, I could probably count off the top of my head maybe six or seven goals that had we had any other normal <laughs> keeper, uh, which is very soft goals that we should not have given up. Um, the final... How, how much of that do you think is tied to, uh, to consistent playing time? Like if, if we had had guys between the pipes who had been playing game in and game out and had time to build confidence and, and get in a run of form, as it were, um, do you think the guys that we have, had they been more consistent uh, in their playtime, do you think they would have performed better? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you're a keeper, you're it, it, it's if you if you don't have playing time and you get in there and you're going to overthink things, you're going to make ridiculous challenges, you're going to not have that that sort of groove that say like like a, almost like a catcher in baseball has, where you're just you know what's coming, you know what to do, you know a call place to call, and once you start breaking those out and you know you're playing for three straight weeks and you're playing for and you're sitting on the bench for three weeks um it, it's hard to get mentally into a groove on that which is really too bad because this is the first season schedule wise that i think we actually had a consistent every saturday we had a game type of schedule um where a, a keeper could have really gotten into a groove and then not really have to worry about the guy on the bench behind him or the guy on the bench sitting there stewing over being mad that they're not getting playing time. There's just not a lot of positive that comes out of out of splitting the playtime right down the middle uh, for a goalkeeper. It's kind of like a, kind of like quarterbacks in, in the NFL. If you've got two quarterbacks, you don't have any quarterbacks, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, or if you've got two starters, you have none. And... Um, but having said that, our defense was actually fairly uh, decent this year. Um, you know, we we don't we didn't give up a lot of uh, a lot of goals, and I can't find stats in front of me because my computer's going really slow. Um, <laughs> goals conceded, we oh come on. Well, now that I got my computer running, the uh, USL website is not going to go up on go go uh, come up for me, but. You know, I, I think we only allowed maybe 39 goals, 40 goals off the top of my head, which is a pretty respectable amount uh, when you look at you know, other teams who, uh, you know, like Tulsa, who gave up, uh, God, I want to say 70, 75. Yeah. We, um, we, ended with, we, we ended with only a minus three goal differential. We, we allowed 39 goals while scoring uh, 36 ourselves. Yeah, and, and to me, the 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 thirty nine is not the problem. The thirty six is, uh, because the thirty six tied us with the lowest amount in the Western Conference with Tulsa and uh, Reno, I believe. Or again, going off memory, but at least Tulsa. <laughs> um, we're bad. We bad, and that and that's what I think killed us in the end. Is just absolutely no, no discipline, no finishing, no anything it was just uh it seemed like no matter who who was in there uh you know uzo was was nowhere to be found all season um you know nikki jackson came in really didn't do much um 
uh, the new kid whose name I can't pronounce, Anawako? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nicholas Anawako. Anawako. I believe he came down right after we were eliminated from the uh, Open Cup. Um, so let's kind of, we're, we're kind of drifting now towards the middle, towards the end of the season, getting to the meat of it. Um, at what point, and I'm kind of just throwing this out there, uh, at what point did it start to creep in that we're not really a good team and I don't think we're going to be that successful? <laughs> well, not to, not to derail this conversation, derail it. but <clears throat> I'm going to derail the conversation. Derail away. Derail well, away. no, I think, I think the whole crux, I think our whole season hangs off the one thing that both of you have kind of referenced in the last couple of minutes, which is uh, the lack of of being clinical in front of goal. Um, yeah, you could talk to any of the players publicly, and then they wouldn't be shy to tell you that. The strikers themselves even would fess up and say, you know, that, that's the, that was our biggest shortcoming this season. Yes, we had too many goalkeeper errors and yes I agree with both of you I think that that those were exacerbated by by their constant rotation but our defense looked really solid I think our midfield to a man was probably probably the best midfield we've had um and I mean to a man I, I think I still think our high point for midfield was Shinny Ronnie and Luke year one but oh, absolutely. I th- yeah but I think once you got beyond that it started to become a little questionable but I think we had, you know, if you look at players like, you know, Schweitz, look at players like Luke, you look at players like um, Sam, who, you know, Sam Halton, who from, from the Rapids, who's clearly a quality player. And then oh you look goodness, at other guys. Yeah. yeah, other guys that could drop into the into the midfield positions as well in terms of like uh, Shane and, and uh, Syed Robinson. So that looked good also. I think it was a lack of cutting edge. And so for me, the question I have for you guys and for the, for the, for the listeners is... If you look at the firepower that was available to us, AJ, Shane Malcolm, Syed Robinson, Toby, Awako, uh, Marty Mabin, did we have sufficient firepower? And Nicky, John, Nicky Jackson, for, for the blinking you're missing minute that he was here. <laughs> did we have sufficient firepower in that roster to get us a top eight spot, even if it was only the eighth spot? And, and was that talent not deployed effectively? Or... Were we missing that striker? Did we need a, a guaranteed 15-goal-a-season Chandler Hoffman in our ranks, and we just didn't have it? I, I believe with all my heart that we had the firepower, and it was misused. Um, obviously, we, we've never been that team that had the, uh, the single uh, striker who's guaranteed 20 goals, the... the uh, Danny Koenig springs to mind. Uh, that's never been oh, the type. Of why team must he? <laughs> uh, we've 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 never been that type of team. I, season one, you know, we we spread our top goal scorers around the midfield and and forwards, um, and it was it was fine because we were scoring lots of them. We had multiple guys on ten plus, um, and I when when the season started, and I looked at the I looked at Marty Maben, Ajaykwa, Shane Malcolm. Um, even Saeed, who hadn't gone on his tear yet, you know, I, I was thinking to myself, uh, you add in Uzo, who I also believe if he had been given a consistent run of, uh, of minutes could have maybe turned into one of those uh, high goal scoring forwards. Um, I, I believed that we had all the firepower we needed. And then Trichu just derailed him. 
I, I don't know if it was the the positions he was playing them in or just the tactics he was playing. Like you, if you if you've set up your entire team to play a certain way and then you throw a goal scorer on there and try to get him to get goals without actually changing the tactics to support that striker, you're not going to change much. Um, the, you're not you're not going to bag 20 goals if you don't have the supply. Um, so I. I think that the firepower was there. I think it was misused. Fair, fair. Um, yeah, I, I think we could have done much better than than the eleventh place. Um, I mean, you look at the teams that made the final eight. I, I could easily see us sitting in there. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't. It seemed like there was either a lack of motivation on a lot of times or a just I don't even know how to explain it. I, I it was so frustrating to watch so many games where it seemed like we would go down a goal early or we would give up the tying goal and there didn't seem to be any urgency or oomph. Um, I hate to say the team doesn't have heart because that's that's a big uh, that, that that's that's a bad thing to say. But I th- definitely think there was times where we we weren't giving it are all um and that could be coaching um i think that's i think i think we have a bigger problem than just trichu it's himself um i think i think we have a culture problem when it comes to you know this team uh you know a winning a winning sports team franchise club has to have a certain culture to be successful And and i think that culture uh, is is definitely not being developed here. And in fact, I think the opposite is being developed. I think we're kind of, uh, we're, we're there, there's a. I'm paraphrasing here, but there was uh, the last article of the season that um, uh, the uh, Vinny at the Gazette put out, where, where he was talking about uh, relegation and promotion. And Trichu said, "Well, you know, you know, it's it's we're one of those teams that's never going to be really competing for a championship, but and we shouldn't worry about relegation either." And I thought, "What a what a shitty attitude, you know?" Yeah, that, it's, that's a lower mid-table attitude. Yeah, of, we like where we are. We we enjoy our mediocrity uh, because we it keeps us in business. Um, yeah, and that's all we're that's all we're here for. And I, I, I read that, and it's one of those quotes where you have to read it two or three times to make sure you read it properly. <laughs> and, and you know, I, I look at that and I think, you know, where's where's the ambition? Where's the the drive to win? Um, where's his accountability? Um, if I'm, how could how could you how could you be the owner of a team and have your coach say? Well, you know, as long as we're in the middle, it's all good. I'm not going to worry about it too much. Not like we're going to win a championship or anything, you know. Um, I, 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 I would have a hard time uh, accepting that. I think it's it's ridiculous and uh, it, it really pissed me off. And I, I've got a kind of staggering stat to throw at you guys, and uh, take this take this as you will. Uh, I was looking at it, thinking about our our goal scoring woes and uh, and how Trit set up the team. But um, we lost 13 games this season by a margin of one goal, um, like 90% of which wow. were one one nil. Yeah, it's a great um, start. There, there was a there were a couple of them that were two one. Uh, where you know we scored the first goal and then let them come back and beat us, 
um, which is classic switchbacks. Whoa, but whoa, whoa. Third... But so hang on a second. Has it, isn't, that, isn't that how football's supposed to be played? <laughs> oh, but yeah. I get this third, all wrong. 13, 13 out of 34 games played, we lost by a margin of one. Um, and that is... That's just embarrassing when it comes to scoring goals and setting up the team correctly. Because it tells you... It tells you we were playing defensively, for one. It tells you that Trichu is basically parking the bus, um, which counts in both <laughs> the 1-0 losses and the 2-1 losses where we had a lead and Trichu drives the bus out in front of the in front of the uh, goal and, and says, ha, we're going to take the, these points. And then, you know, inevitably the other team is like, oh, wait, we're actually still playing a game um, and, and they steal it from us. And, and that, that was just uh, a kind of a, a startling statistic to look at for me. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's even more concerning when your coach is driving the bus out into the middle of the field and parking the ball in front of the goal you're attacking. Basically <laughs> parking the bus in front of the goal you're attacking. No, no, we scored. We're done. Uh, um, I think he parked I think he parked it at the at the the midfield line. <laughs> do not go into the attacking third uh, no matter what you do, you know. So if the striker so Maybe we had the strikers, maybe we didn't. Maybe they were deployed properly, maybe they weren't. But one thing we've always been able to rely on in previous seasons is a little bit of magic, a little bit of flair. It's kind of what Jason was alluding to earlier. You know, where, where, where was the spark? Where was the energy? Where was the, okay, they just scored, but that's okay because we have such and such. Let's get the ball to him and we'll create something, right? And we've had that. We had that with Miggy. We had it with... Um, Certainly, uh, Master Cashier. We had it with Kavon. Freighter, yeah. We had it with Freight. We've had it with Luke. Um, Mike Seth. Mike Seth. Seth. Yep. We. I, I kind of feel like okay. So we don't have a dearth of those players this year. You know, there's there's no Master. It's lose Master and to lose Kavon the same season is rough, right? So we don't really have that kind of a player. But but we do. I mean. Luke Vercoloni still does bring a high degree of energy and drive to the team whenever he's on the field. And he wasn't on the field enough, I and mean, not for my money at least. Until Saeed hit that, that rich tear up basically after the season was done, you know, where was that magic? Where was where was it gonna come from? Yeah, there there didn't really seem to be um anyone anyone focal point uh any trigger uh catalyst for for that kind of that kind of comeback or that kind of uh just charisma uh leading leading the team on um there were there were a lot of great individual efforts that i saw throughout the season that just it, it was you know it was a firework it was a bang and it's gone yeah. uh, and, well, and, and it, it, it hurts so much knowing that you've got guys like Shane Malcolm who, in good form, is willing and able to take on three guys and put put a ball on goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just knowing that, that that potential is there the whole season, but you only see it a handful of times. And even then, fewer of those actually find the back of the net. Yeah. Yeah, it's it seemed like this season, and going back to that the charisma you talked about. Even I look at I look at last season, and as bad as we thought last season was with the with the the turmoil for with the team in the locker room, um, 
even with that, there still seemed to be a, a sort of vibrance about the team. Uh, whether it be just master cashier or whether it be uh, knowing that things seem so volatile that, that at any moment something great was about to happen or something absolutely awful was about to happen. <laughs> but there was there was that edge of your seat. Uh, there was an excitement to it, a little bit of spice. Uh, this year, it just as vanilla as possible. It's like it's like Trichu saw the the fractured locker room of last year and said, I'm going to do the exact opposite, but way overcorrect what that. I'm going to make the team so boring and so bland that we're going to get down 1-0 and then park the bus. You know, it's... it's <laughs> it, 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 No charisma at all. Not from... Uh, and it sucks too because you wonder if, if like if Saeed, if he hadn't have been so far off the mark for the first half of the season, um, if we would have had him around the 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 last quarter of the season, if we had him, if we had that form at the beginning of the season, where would we be now? Would we be talking about the, that charisma? You know, um, we talking you know thirteen freaking points, um, goals, just crap, you know. Um, so yeah, that kind of leads us into the final segment, not final, but towards the, we're at the end of the season. Um, we are we are eliminated, what, uh, with four games left? Officially eliminated with four games? I think it was the, the, the home game we lost against Phoenix officially ended our, our postseason aspirations. Correct. Um, um, looking at... I was looking at uh, at uh, Sports Club Stats, which does the playoff percentages and calculates it all out for the uh, uh, for each team. And I was looking at the chances that will make playoffs, and they have a bar graph, you know. And in April, we were down like a twenty percent, and then it kind of went up and down and up and down. And it was July that that just gradually stepped going, started going down and down until September when we flatlined at the bottom. So. I asked this earlier, uh, and then Mark ruined everything. But let's. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Where, at what point did you did it did it seem like oh crap we're not a good team? I don't think we're going to make the playoffs. Um, I mean, I feel like there were a number of those times. Um, really, the first time I started to feel it was. Um, probably, I would probably say in, in late June, early July, when we, um, we came back from a one nil win over, uh, Fresno and just had the, the most astonishing, astonishingly mediocre results, uh, one, one at San Antonio, nil one to Orange County, one, one to OKC, nil one to, uh, Sacrep. Uh, Sacramento Republic um, and then you know we had that that one bright spot against Tulsa and then just blow the next two games straight in a row and at that point I, I was just thinking it, it might already be too late to recover this yeah. um, because of the fact that the the longest point streak we went on uh, was from the point we got against Reno at home through uh, that doesn't even count because that was an open cup game. So literally the longest point streak we ever went on was two games in a row. 
we got points out of two games in a row at yeah. any point in the season, um, whether that was a draw and a win and then a bunch of losses or a, a two wins in a row. Um, we won against Portland and then won against Fresno in, in June, and that was probably the last time I thought we were a good team. And after that, it was pretty much... Uh, there's a lot of red on this uh, on this uh, yeah on this season rundown here. Um, yeah, yeah. It's so it's, it was it was pretty clear to me in in early summer really that that we were not good enough. So uh, not to just simply echo everything Paul just said, but that stretch of games jumped out at me too. Um, and I remember feeling pretty depressed about our chances even that early in the season and not wanting to voice them because I think your question, Jason, actually is two separate questions. You asked, you know, when did you feel like we weren't a good team and that we weren't going to make the playoffs? And to me, there's actually two separate things. I felt all season long like we were actually a good team. Like I said earlier in this recording, I felt like this is maybe the... I'm not sure what the right word is. I think if you say most solid, that sounds disparaging. But I don't know if I go so far as to say most talented, but I think this is the most potential uh, consistently good across the roster group of guys we've had in any given year. So I always felt like we were a good team. For me, uh, we needed to crack the code of how to score goals, whether, again, that was using the existing talent we had to its potential or whether that was pulling in a Nicky Jackson or the kid from Minnesota who was so unimpressive, I can't even remember his name. Um however we found those goals those goals needed to be found in order for us to make the playoffs so i always had faith in this team but i also recognized that we weren't doing that one thing well enough to either propel us to the playoffs or even if we would get there to make any progress in them yeah i can't argue with that you know there was i, my, I, I what was... are we doing jason what are we doing well i don't know <laughs> what are we doing <laughs> Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, and I hate to harken back because I, I went into the season and I was I was apprehensive, but you know it's like last season was so not fun, um, but overly fun. It was like way too much fun. It was like being on a roller coaster that you weren't. You're it was way above your pay grade, and you get off. You're <laughs> like, wow, that sucked. I'm never doing that again. Um, but I remember thinking after the last game of the season when we finally, after in, in the club's history, had a come-from-behind victory. And I was like, holy crap. I remember me and Mark high-fiving. It was awesome. Yay. And, and that was uh, going into that, into the, in the next season, I think we're going to carry over. We've got this new talent. we got Marty coming back. And uh, we lost like three games in a row in the first uh, month of the season. And we were at uh, going into April. We were one and four, or one and three. And I was like, okay, this this is not good. And you know, there was a little tease in June where I thought, okay, we found our form. This is going to be what we're doing. And then, and then, uh, God, I don't even remember who it was, but I remember sitting there after one of the games at home that we lost, and just sitting there and thinking, oh crap, we're we're not going to make the playoffs. We're not we. And that's probably not a bad thing because we would probably get destroyed. But you know, it was—I <laughs> I, I don't know—it's—it's. It's, there's so much wrong that I can't. It's hard to put your finger on it. It's like 
like a coroner trying to find out what the exact cause of death was someone that fell out on an airplane you know did they (laughs) was it the landing or what um but was there though i mean we we know the we know the issues we have with goalkeepers and we know the issues we have with the goal scoring because it's right there in the four column Mm -hmm. i mean what what else what else do you feel wasn't wasn't good this season I, I mean, I did we not look at our, look at our possession stats? This is the first season in the club's four-year history where we've outpossessed more teams than we've not over the season. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's. I mean, we've been we've been we've been beating this horse the whole season. Is we 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 play really freaking well right up until we're in the attacking third and have to make something uh, make something of it. Mm. Um, we we we're very very good at winning the ball back, uh, uh, in no small part due to um, Jamal Jack, who was uh, honestly one of the best looking center backs in the league this season. Mm-hmm. Um, we were great in transition due to Jordan Schweitzer and uh, Sam Hamilton when we had him uh, with their phenomenal passing, and then it just fizzled out. You you had you either had guys who would n- used to take guys on and and get a shot on goal either just not making the attempt or not picking their head up to notice that they had a pass open. Um, it was pretty rough, and, and that this leads me to a question that I, I was actually going to ask uh, earlier when we were talking about the beginning of the season, and then it slipped my mind. But uh, where where do you gentlemen stand on the? Jordan Burt as a midfielder uh, experiment. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah, I, I I'm it did, not a fan. <laughs> I I I think you know we and saying that you know he he did again tie for the most goals on the team. Uh, with what six? Uh, him tied with Shane Malcolm for you six have to goals. Consider how many of those were penalties, though. How many of how many of his of goals were. were? Okay, so I think two. If we're if we're being totally fair, I would remove those from the equation, um, much like I would <laughs> remove Harry Kane from the Golden Boot uh, because all of his goals were from the spot. Um, <laughs> Well, well. To, to be fair, you know, to be fair, uh, ten of Luke's fourteen goals in twenty fifteen were off the penalty kick. So that, that is let's 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 you know let's respect where it's due, my friend. He is a great penalty taker, um, and and I think Jordan Burt is is a is a very good penalty taker. So I, I was I was okay with him with him taking those, but looking at previous season where he led our goal scoring from the right back position he he didn't increase that tally a whole lot did he um and he didn't it's not like he was bagging you know buckets of assists either uh, i think he had one assist the the whole season uh maybe 20 ish key passes the whole season um they, it it didn't really stand out to me as a a super positive move for the the team and for results yeah so for me um it's it's a very simple uh, equation 
Do we have a better attacking midfielder on the roster than Jordan Burt? I'd say yes. Do we have a better attacking right back on the roster than Jordan Burt? I'd say no. So you play Jordan Burt as right back, I think. I, uh, I, think, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, I think I think Luke Vercoloni is a better attacking mid. I even would have liked to have pushed Schweitzer up there. He doesn't have the same movement that Jordi or Luke does. But um, I think when you get a guy with that that accurate degree of passing, the further up the field you put them put in, the more likely he is to be able to do damage offensively. But regardless of who you put in there, we don't have a better attacking right back than Jordan. And actually, I'd like to have seen Jordan Burr at right back. I'd like to have seen Taylor Hunter at left back, uh, staying home, because that just seems to be his uh, his inclination. Let Jordan do all the up and down, and then push Josh Suggs up to uh, attacking, uh, I guess it's, left, it's not really a wing, but left wing if you like, because I don't think there's a better deliverer of the ball in the league from out wide. I, I've not seen one no. anyway. I, I, uh, and his... his- Josh Suggs' uh, statistics for crossing are, are uh, almost comical. Um, it, he has so many more attempted and completed crosses than the next guy in the entire league that it's almost as if it's almost as if we had a ringer, like we brought some guy in from a much higher league and and said, "Here you go, have some fun." Um, I think the next guy below him was a hundred below, um, which is staggering. Mm-hmm. And yet, out of all those crosses, hardly any finishes to go with that. Yeah. I mean, how many? Who did who did we have in the middle to, to knock those in? That is the that is the problem, isn't it? Indeed, my friend. Indeed. So, off season, the off season started officially on uh, Monday, and we were immediately met with the breaking news from from some schlub named Mark Turner about Luke. You want to take this, Mark? Um, let's let Paul take it, I think, because I think I, I, I covered most everything I wanted to say in the interview, and, and so let's see what Paul has to say. Well, uh, well I, anybody uh, anybody who follows the switchbacks with uh, any, any degree of uh, attention paid uh, will be aware of the, the retirement of the original switchback, Luke Vercoloni, um, which, you know, the guy had a stellar career, not just with the switchbacks, but uh, with Richmond, with uh, New England Revolution. Um, he, he really had a, 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 long, a long career uh, tied for the most appearances by a single player in the USL modern era. Um, and, and as the original switchback and our original captain, uh, obviously has a, a pretty... Uh, close spot in our hearts. Um, I know that when I when I was um, just moving out to Colorado Springs, um, I was very sad that I was losing losing my my hometown team, Minnesota United. I wasn't going to be able to go to games anymore. And I you know I started looking around the soccer scene in Colorado Springs and saw that the switch switchbacks were about to start their inaugural season. And um, you know, I saw the the first player signing of Luke Vercoloni and, you know, allowed me to get really excited about having a hometown team to, to cheer for again. And so it's a it's really a kind of an emotional thing for for a lot of us to to see him hang up the boots. He, he's been here since the beginning and and uh, 
feels like a feels like a, a, a kick in the chest. Yeah, you know, it's I, I've been getting a lot of, of texts and and uh, Facebook messages. Some people are like, God, it's not like the dude is dying. Why is everyone freaking out about this? You know, um, yeah, acting like we just broke up. Quit, you know, <laughs> yeah. It basically saying, you know, we're we're making much more of a big deal than it should be. Um, you know, okay, great player retiring, moving on. And, uh, you know, I'm of the thinking that this this club has very, very little going for it. It's really started off um, on, on a uh, – from from ground zero. And one of the problems we don't have we, – we didn't have to start is we didn't have a, the culture and we don't have any sort of heritage – or um, identity, and Luke Vercoloni became our 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 heritage and our, our identity. Um, he, Mr. Switchback, he was always there from from beginning, middle, and end. He's you know always made himself available. Always was willing to stop and chat with just about every fan. Um, you know him and his family have been you know. Uh, front and center to the fan base to you know the what the club um he's just been the perfect the the perfect the, the for for a team starting at zero he was the perfect first pick and uh to build on and while you know we go in um you know, to this year where obviously he's not getting a younger injury started to bog him down even when he wasn't there you could feel the the energy of the team rise, the energy of the crowd rise. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you never, you rarely ever had a game that he was on the field and you didn't think, and you ever had, you know, I can tell you how many times you thought, you know, I, I really haven't heard from so-and-so in this game, um, but you always heard uh, Vercoloni out there. He was constantly, <laughs> or, 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 some, <laughs> or, or some variation. <laughs> Or, or some variation on that, but the point is, you know, you know, we we don't have a heritage. We don't have, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, memories of clubs that played in soccer decades ago, and and like other teams in in the uh, Western Conference have, and we don't have that that heritage and that 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 foundation and now and now we do and now that foundation is moving on and it's it does suck because we've had luke for as long as we've had the switchbacks and uh we're not gonna have that next year and it it really sucks um so i I do think it's i I, well i don't think it's not i don't think anyone should complain about the outpouring of um i hate to say sadness because you're, I mean, I'm thrilled for the dude. You know, I mean, it's this is he's not forced out by injury. He's not, you know, playing for random clubs until no one will sign him. It sounds like he really has kind of gone out on his terms. Uh, the club has acknowledged it, which made me happy because there's nothing I hated more than when a, a noted player left and the club basically just pretended like it never happened. Um, but yeah, I mean, he is. He is the foundation, the the keystone of the Switchback uh, franchise club, and um, I, I think I he should be honored. Wish we as, could have given as him as a, 
we could have given him a championship to go out on. That's the, my biggest regret is that we didn't, we didn't, he did so much for, for our city and our, our team. And, and, uh, we, we were never able really to, uh, return the favor. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, my hope is when we get the new stadium, uh, when, whenever that eventually happens, um, you know, we have like a like a like a Broncos have a ring of honor. A lot of a lot of teams, you know, we obviously can't retire the number four because soccer. Um, but we can have like our own little Hall of Fame that maybe we could put his name up on, you know, somewhere in the stadium with notable players. And, and I think he'd be the perfect choice uh, to, to be have some sort of recognition from the club. Um, and some, you know, ring of honor. uh Hall of Fame, Wall of Fame, uh, something like that. Well, I think you guys, yeah, you guys nailed it. And I mean, anyone's entitled to their own opinion. Um, facts stand up. Opinions can be stupid. And so, if your opinion <laughs> is, if your opinion is, you don't understand why people are uh, upset that Luke Vercoloni has announced his retirement, then you clearly don't understand the switchbacks as well as Paul and Jason have just demonstrated that they do. Uh, Luke was the heartbeat of this organization. And I'm not going to rehash everything you guys have just said or that he and I covered in the interview, but I want to bookend kind of his career from my perspective. If it weren't for Luke Vercoloni, um, at the very beginning of this entire journey, I don't know that I would have been a Switchbacks fan. Damn it. Fr- Damn him. I take back everything I said. No, sorry. <laughs> I have friends who gave me a hard time because when the Switchbacks were announced, unlike the two of you, I didn't jump on the on the uh, Kool-Aid drinking wagon. I have seen teams come and go at the pro and semi-pro level in the city and they've never been never, never sustained. And I assume the Switchbacks could go the same way within a season or maybe two. And so I attended the first game, first home game against Oklahoma City uh, with a great deal of uh, trepidation and just imagining that this just wasn't going to stick. And I remember us conceding that goal late, late on uh, to lose the game 2-1. And I I was already enamored with Luke based upon his play in that game, upon his energy and his drive. And I play midfield as well. And just I, I, I just really enjoyed watching him play that position. And I remember when that goal went in, he dropped to his knees. I mean, he just collapsed, and it meant so much to him. And that was the instant I became a Switchbacks fan because I was like, you know what? If he cares this much this early, then okay, damn it, I'm all in. Um, and then to bookend it, Jason, you know, you said we can't retire a shirt. Man, I'm going to push for that because there are instances uh, in football of shirts being retired. Um, there's a long list of them, actually. I think most notably in England of number six, Bobby Moore, the World Cup winning captain, obviously on a completely different level to Luke, but still West Ham retired his number six jersey. Luke Vercoloni is a special player. The first signed, the first captain, the first to get over 100 appearances, currently our top goal scorer and leading assists. I think there's a really good case to be made. You know, we've seen the crazy jersey numbers at Fortress Sandcrete. We've seen people out there with 94 on their back. There's no shortage of numbers that people can wear. I think it would be a great honor to retire the number four. And I think um, I'd like to see that happen personally. So I'm hashtagging the hell out of that until next season in the hopes that it might get the attention of somebody at the club. Dear God, I agree with Mark. Yeah, you know, you actually kind of changed my, changed my, I kind of, you, I kind of came around to that. You actually convinced me. I'm with you. Make it happen, Mark. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, 
I guess the the, the other the other piece uh, of of news heading in the off season was broke again by our uh, our good friend Mark, um, who reported on Last Word of Soccer that uh, we're in a uh, extended talks to become the Rapids affiliate. You want to go into any detail on that or? Yeah, that one I will take, only because it's still shrouded in mystery. But um... and for the record, I, I reached out to the Switchbacks to to get a, an official response, and they have not gotten back to me. I know, record scratch. Go ahead. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> so I had gotten wind of this several weeks earlier, but out of respect for the club, and you know, I try. I'm not a journalist in inverted commas. I'm somebody who likes to write and enjoys football and tries to combine the two things. Um, but to whatever degree that I'm considered a journalist, I, I, I don't want to be a gotcha journalist. I don't want to be somebody who, you know, tries to snag the story out um, and, and to howl with everybody else and who it may hurt. So even though I had winded this a few weeks ago, I wanted to respect the club and I knew this was going to be a big announcement and it wasn't really mine to make. But then I was approached by my counterpart up in Denver who had also heard um, very strong rumors from very strong sources. And his sources, quite frankly, are more developed than mine. Um, But the whole thing together just suggested this is going to happen. So we both approached our respective, the clubs that we cover, me, the Switchbacks, him, the Rapids, and um, got got essentially what you got, Jason, but with uh, soft undertones. Uh, kind of, hey, we don't have an issue with this story coming out, but we're not going on the record right now, and there's not anything concrete to share at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. Um, my counterpart up in Denver heard something a little more uh, solid than that, to, 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 to such an extent that the two of us felt like we could combine what we knew, and we could release it in such a way that it would be respectful to the organizations, um, it would be kind of minding their wishes not to go all out, but it would be okay to put it out there. So it's going to happen. It's a crossing the T's, dotting the I's kind of a thing right now. Um, I would be absolutely flawed if anyone were to pull a Yui at this at this juncture. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a thing. It will happen. Cool. And for I know when when that when you came out with that, there was a lot of. I guess misunderstanding from the fan base here about what exactly it means to be an affiliate. Um, mm-hmm. Do you want to kind of sh- walk us through what that means? Or yeah, well, you guys know, you guys know all too well. Uh, but for those maybe who are uninitiated with with football here in the U.S., um, essentially we will be well, the relationship we the Switchbacks will have to the Rapids is very similar to the, to what the Switch uh, to what the Rapids had with. Um, Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte, excuse me, yeah. I wanted to say Carolina. I'm like, okay, it was one of the Carolinas, but that's not a city. Which city? Yeah, so Charlotte. <laughs> In that um, we will be a place where the Rapids can send players who need minutes, who need experience, who need time on the field for whatever reason. It could be recovering from injury. More often than not, it's going to be a young player who they're looking to blood and give time in a, in a competitive setting. You know, there's only so much that you can do competitively in the youth environment or a reserve level. But the switchbacks is a legitimate, or the USL, excuse me, is a legitimate second-tier competitive league. It would be all the more legitimate if we have relegation promotion. But anyway, for right now, it is the most legitimate it can be. 
And so I think the Rapids perspective is putting particularly younger players that need that experience in that setting, that would be good for them. From the switchbacks perspective, you know, we struggled this season. Well, we struggled now for two seasons to put guys on the bench for road trips. But this season, we've struggled just with headcount in the roster. You know, I think as the club has tried to invest more money in attracting attracting better players, which arguably they did. They, well, actually, arguably they did last year. But, of course, the wheels fell off in spectacular fashion for a whole bunch of different reasons we're not going to rehash. But they did a pretty good job, I think, of putting talent um, on the roster this year. But that talent costs money. And there's only a certain amount of money that's available to the club. And so if you're going to invest more money in certain players, you're going to have fewer players if your budget is limited. So this relationship with the Rapids would allow the, allow the switchbacks to supplement the roster. So they'll still have guys that they buy and bring in and that they own. But they'll now have an opportunity to supplement the roster with maybe another two, three, four, however many guys it might be, who are going to be at least of similar quality. I mean, if you're picked up by an MLS team, you really should be as good as the best player in the USL or, you know, comparable. Yeah. And so it's, that, it's going to work that way as well. And then, of course, the nice piece you have is the two clubs are an hour apart. So you're not having to shuttle kids across the country. And, of course, they're at similar altitudes or, excuse me, elevations, as Paul has corrected me multiple times. <laughs> so, again, you have that benefit as well. Well, and, and to kind of piggyback on what you're just saying, the uh, – the MLS, according to their collective bargaining agreement, uh, when a player is loaned out, the uh, parent club pays for, still pays their salary. Exactly. Um, when we when we have a player on loan, we're not paying them. We're basically just, you know, they're they're uh, I want I hate to say free, but they're 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 basically a, a, a equivalent of an amateur player. Um, so that's. On, on a cash poor team is a big deal. Now, some of the things I saw come, people worry about is, oh, great, now we've got, you know, uh, the Rapids are going to be managing our roster. Um, you know, Cronky's uh, going to get involved and everything's going to suck. And that's not really the case. Um, you know, the, the players' paychecks are still going to be signed by the Reagans. Um, they're still owned by the Reagans uh, and Widener, but they're, they're still a local team and it really is no different than what we've been seeing the past few seasons with the Rapids starting to send down players, except I think in the future, we'll probably get a better selection of, of people they're going to send down. Um, well, hopefully. Yes and, it, well, no, yeah. yes and no. There's nothing going to change in the front office mm -hmm. and whether you consider this to be a good thing or a bad thing, there's nothing currently tabled to be changing in terms of the coaching staff. To, yeah. to, to your comment about this is going to be similar to what we've had in previous years, you know, just formalizing the relationship. Yes, that's true to some degree, but I think all of us, those of us particularly who are closer to the club, know that certain loans have, comes with, have come with strings attached. And I think those strings are going to become more formal now. So if the Rapids are sending down three or four younger players who they want to blood because they want those players to get closer to their first team, they're not going to be happy with those players sitting on the bench. Yeah. Right, so yeah, that, right. that could be a negative. So I don't know if you or Paul have anything to pick up on that. And that, that is something that, I, that I've had my concerns about. But at the same time, concerns. I, I also think that it's probably it's probably not going to impact to the extent that a lot of people are afraid. It, it might be, you know, one or two players that um, they demand get more minutes. Uh, it's not going to be like we want to test, we want to experiment with an entire back line. You have to start them all. Um, 
so I, I feel like it's not not so bad. People people need to make the distinction. Being an affiliate does not make us their reserve team. Uh, right. We we are not by any means a MLS two team. Um, we have we have an affiliation that. Uh, should be in theory a, a symbiotic relationship. Uh, we should benefit them by giving their youngsters an outlet to to gain minutes and gain confidence at a pro level, and they should be benefiting us uh, by sending us you know high quality players that that we can depend on to to help us get results. Um, and that that is that's the dream. That's the hope is that it is truly symbiotic and it, it's not a you know, rapid say, do this. And, you know, we have to jump. Yeah. Uh, that, that's the hope. And yeah, it, we're still going to be able to, we, we'll still be able to play like in the open cup because they won't control our roster much as much the way like an MLS two team does, or like the way Rio Grande Valley and Houston's relationship is. So, you know, we're, we're still going to be the black and blue. We're still the switchbacks. Um, it really, I think, in off the field, this is nothing but positive too. Because for those fans who may have kind of been sitting on the side, um, it's a lot easier to sell tickets when saying we're the Rapids affiliate than saying we're a USL independent team. So I think that'll help too. Um, off the field, um, yeah, I don't see very much downside to this particular to this arrangement at all and, and, and a lot of the fears uh, are just just nothing that's gonna happen um, yeah I so. think I think I think by and large it's positive I mean yeah. where it goes in the future who knows but if for instance we can have a full complement of subs on the bench when we travel that's a good thing that's a great thing actually um, and if we can have a higher not only have headcount but have a higher quality of player available to us on our roster as a whole i think that's a good thing as well quite how much the rapids are going to interfere when it comes to things like coaching decisions or when it comes to things like decisions of loaning players from other clubs i don't know i mean oh that's that's all very much unknown at this point in time but yeah i think on the surface of it it's a positive move as we mentioned at the beginning of this podcast the colorado springs is the second smallest market in the USL after Reno. Um, That's not going to change. There are things about this club that could change. We could get new owners. We could get another investor in the way that we got Widener this last year. We could get a new coach. There are things that could, we're going to get new stadiums. There are things that are going to change. The one thing that won't really change is the size of the city or even really, I hate to say this, but I don't think seismically the degree of interest in the game. I think, could the switchbacks bring in another couple of thousand people? Yeah. But are the switchbacks going to go from having 4,000 people at a game to having 24,000 people at a game at any point in its history? I just don't think that'll ever happen, right? So, yeah. so this, I think, is a positive thing because it does enable us to, to fill a few gaps and enables us to accelerate a couple of areas of the club, which otherwise we wouldn't have the budget to do. So, yeah, I guess we'll just see. Yeah, but- uh, and and maybe it'll bring maybe it'll uh, bring some of the the C38 folks down, some of the Rapids fans down to to watch Switchbacks games and and see how their players are developing as well. It could actually yeah. help increase our fan base a little bit and get more butts in seats. Um, and and I mean that's that's positive for everybody because uh, unfortunately when it comes down to it, um, 
it's it's a business and the more butts we have in seats the more money the club makes the more money they have to put towards the product on the field it's as simple as that uh, sports economics are, are not friendly uh, many teams often operate at a loss um, it, it, the more people we can bring in the better and I think this will go a long way towards that towards getting gaining interest from people who are uh, either casual or had no previous interest or bringing people down who were already interested in the rapids and uh, and now want to to see the other level yeah cool 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 well uh, yeah I, I agree with you guys I got nothing to add <laughs> So <laughs> you're really limping out of this season. Yeah, I'm. I'm just like looking at the well, door. It's gone from your belly. The yeah, it's broken. You. <laughs> it's 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 uh, it's senior week here in the Smith House. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm ready to check out and get this off season started. Um, so um, I'm ready to get the wild speculation about transfers and uh, and tryouts uh, beginning. So you know. Yeah, try open tryouts are going to be in December this year, um, which not thrilled about. My I, I'm very very cold. I think last time the one of the ones I went to was in November and it was like in the in the single digits. Um, so hopefully we'll have a balmy December. Mark, you've you know made uh, you've you've dropped the hint that you might, if you could find the proper funding, go and try out. And I'll tell you what, I was I thought it was a pretty uh, uh, ludicrous idea until I thought of the potential of Trichu forcing you to do something against your will. <laughs> and I thought, wow, you know, that might be enough to get me down there with a the camera because I could just see him going, okay, everybody. You know, or, or the Trichu thing, just kind of standing back, holding his chin. Except he'd be like, "Turner, laps," and just have you running for <laughs> for eight hours all weekend long. So it'd be like Karate Kid. By the end of it, we'll have a loving relationship, and everything he's asking me to do will make sense. Oh, that's why you wanted me to wax your car. <laughs> <laughs> or 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 a, a restraining order. One of the two. <laughs> I just think people should... If I were to do it, I think people should come down just on the off chance they get to see Jamal Jack kick me into Rose Ed. <laughs> that has got to be worth the entrance fee alone. Absolutely. In fact, hey. I, I might have to slip uh, Taysong Kim a, a fiver to see oh. what, oh. what I wouldn't give. What Boy. I would give to get it on with that guy. Hey, um, it's always been a back chat tradition that we do a player of the year and a young player of the year and... With every passing year, we, we've kind of gotten more loosey-goosey about that whole thing. But I don't know. Maybe that'd be kind of a fun way to I'm, – I'm kind of I'm, – I'm, I'm left-fielding you here, guys. But it might be kind of a fun way to round out the pod uh, for the season. If you guys have thoughts about player of the season and young player of the season. Definitely I, think I, we should have them. I think uh, <laughs> I think we, we'd probably all be in, in pretty uh, close proximity on our, on our votes. Uh, I think I think everybody knows where I'm at. Twenty-three and under is young player. So yep, yep. So uh, my my vote would be for Jordan Schweitzer at uh, 22 years old, um, or 24 years old. Sorry, you said 23 and under. Yeah, so he'd be your 20, player. Okay, so he'd be he'd be my player of the year. Okay. Um, young player of the year would have to be uh, Sam Hamilton, without a doubt. Um, I know he's on loan, but his uh, his 
passing accuracy uh, was absolutely staggering. Um, I, I think he finished the season uh, over 85% success rate on his passes. Um, really phenomenal young player who I look forward to, to watching develop. And who probably might get to see next year if he's still with the Rapids. Exactly. So, Hey, you know what? I'm looking at the ages here. I don't realize how uh, how, more, how can I put this? How more mature our age group, our um, slim pickings. Slim yeah. Pickings. So let's go ahead and slide the bar. Let's instead say, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get. I'm doing you a favor here, Paul. So let's say 24 and under is young players. So Schweitzer's your young so, player. So, so would... Schweitzer wins both. <laughs> <laughs> that is harsh, man. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm go for Schweitzer as young player then. If we're going to do 24 and under. And for my player of the year, because I think he carried us on his shoulders a lot. Um, I think Suggs had another great season. I think Jack, like you mentioned, did great. I think we're forgetting, though, that um, I think Shane Malcolm had a really good season. Man, do I go Shane? Ah, ah, absolutely, was, he did. Took, took, stole my thunder there, man. Ah. Okay, Schweitzer, young player. Malcolm, <laughs> Malcolm, Malcolm player. player. Uh, so, Paul, you're going Schweitzer, young player. Who did you say? Oh, you said Schweitzer for both. Okay. Uh, yeah. Jason? I mean, I, I can follow with, with Shane. I, I, I follow that. Yeah, for me, it's Shane. Uh, he uh, tied for um, most goals. I believe he was very close on assists, too, if not leading the team in assists. Yeah. Um, he was the most consistent throughout the year. Um, absolutely be player of the year. And uh, Schweitzer for, for – for, Hedge, he might have been 23 at the beginning of the season, so maybe. maybe I'm pretty can... sure he was. I'm pretty sure I remember I they switched back yeah. announcing a birthday uh, yeah. during the season. Yeah, let's not, let's not, we don't need birth certificates, don't need long form. We can just go ahead and say <laughs> Schweitzer, young player, Shane Malcolm, player of the year. And so then say, honorable, honorable mentions for Jack and, uh, and Subsey. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Those, those two had a stellar year, and uh, man, I just. <laughs> I just have to hope and pray and, you know, make offerings to dark gods to to, to try to keep some of these guys around. Yeah. Uh, guys, we're forgetting Nicky Jackson. Wait, who? <laughs> <laughs> For, again, I have to agree with Mark. We, we forgot Nicky Jackson. Literally. <laughs> Literally and physically. Uh, he scored a goal the other night for the Rapids, and my first thought was, what? He can do that? <laughs> Oh man! It, I feel I feel like it's harsh on him. I don't think that uh, I I think that the problems that have been plaguing our attacking players are going to plague anyone they bring in as long as Trichu doesn't change tact. Um, if 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 Trichu doesn't uh, alter the tactics, it doesn't matter if they brought in Wayne Rooney. He would have uh, he he would have struggled uh, in the same way. Obviously different level he probably still would have scored a boatload unassisted but um you you get my point i think yeah. nicky jackson got a a little bit of a bum rap because he wasn't getting the kind of service and the and the kind of tactics that would lead him to to be a prolific scorer in any way yeah i, th- I think you, if someone said to him man you, d- you didn't do anything for the switchbacks i think it'd be fair to him to say yeah but neither did anyone there either so exactly um Final thought, wrapping up. We do have the USL playoffs coming down the pike. Uh, who's your uh, Mark, who do you think is going to win? USL champion. Oh, I have a very, very strong opinion on this. I don't care. Okay. 
which I th- I think is I think that's Seattle Seattle Sounders 2's fight song something like we don't <laughs> um, uh, I I have to I have to say that I I feel like um, I mean Cincinnati has been blowing the doors off of everyone I I would expect them to continue to do so I would like there to be some competition from the from the West but it, it's hard to see anyone from the West performing as well as Cincinnati did in the East. Um, yeah. I, mean, I don't think, I don't think the best teams in the West um, are carrying the, the can for us right now. I really don't. I think there are two better teams in the West comfortably than Orange County and Phoenix. But anyway, part of the reason <laughs> I don't care, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I will, uh, I will watch uh, with mild interest uh, probably whilst doing other things. I will probably watch until they officially cut off my ESPN Plus, and then I will <laughs> follow on Twitter. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I think FC Cincinnati is going to humiliate everyone in the East, and then whoever, whatever poor team from the West decides to go up to, to Nippert and uh, get stomped by them in front of their 20-some-on thousand people. So that's it for us for the year. Um, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors, uh, Roughneck Scarves, are the official scarf supplier to the MLS, the USL, and US Soccer. You can get your custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com and Redline Youth Athletic Training Center, located at 4960 Centennial off of Garden of the Gods. You can get a hold of them at 719-313-1833. I want to thank... Uh, the original back chatter, Mark, for, for uh, coming out from his hidey hole and visiting us lower schlubs here while he uh, does his things with Last Word on Soccer. I assume you, everyone who listens to this knows where his uh, writing shall be. Um, as for us, I am Jason Smith. I'm Paul Ray. Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Have a good off season. Bye-bye. <laughs>